Good morning. If you have your Bible, I hope you do, uh, go ahead, open it to John chapter 21. We'll be in John 21. Uh, it's the last chapter of John's gospel. Now, if you remember last week, we looked at how Peter, how he had dumped his disappointment. Uh, Peter, he wasn't disappointed in Christ because Christ had met all of his hopes, had exceeded all of his expectations. Peter was disappointed in himself. Uh, he had told Jesus that he would lay down his life for him, that he would never leave him, even if everybody else did. And he'd never deny him. And he broke every one of those promises. Peter was disappointed in himself. And, and we found, we saw last week that we can't find satisfaction in doing those things that we used to do. Uh, Peter went back to fishing, and what happened? He came up empty. And we learned such an important lesson that those blessings they are so much closer than we realize. In Peter's case, it was only the width of the boat, three or four feet from those blessings. The big difference was obedience to the Christ, what Christ commanded. And once Peter knew that it was Christ waiting on the shore of the lake, what did he do? He jumped out of the boat to get to him. So we need to do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus. Peter and the rest of the disciples, they spent time in fellowship with Jesus, with each other. They shared a simple meal of fish and bread as Jesus sought to rebuild what was broken. Now, now Scripture, it doesn't record any conversation during that breakfast on the beach. Not a word. Nobody asked if the bacon was too crispy, because bacon shouldn't be crispy got to have a little chew to it. Not that they would have eaten bacon, they were Jewish, but <clears throat> nobody said, are there scrambled eggs, are they too runny, are they not good today? And it tells us that none of the disciples even dared to ask, who are you? Because they knew who it was. They knew it was the Lord. Now, now Peter, he probably sat through that meal thinking about how much he had let Christ down, how he had failed in his love for Jesus when he was more concerned about saving his own skin. And I bet he felt disqualified. I bet he felt like there is no way that he'll ever use me in the future because I disappointed him. He still had faith in Jesus as his Savior, but he didn't think Christ would use him because of his failure. I imagine Peter sat there, eating in silence, thinking, what, would Jesus, what is Jesus going to say to me? Would, would he respond the way that we would? Would he tell him how badly it hurt when he denied him? Uh, that his heart, that it broke as he ran away from the authorities rather than standing by his side? Maybe Jesus would just give him the silent treatment, give him the cold shoulder, Maybe he'd be angry. He'd say, Pete, you should have been true to your word. I am done with you because I can't trust you with anything. Just go home and get out of my sight. He could have said, Pete, you know, I had these big plans for you. I had some great things I wanted you to do, but I just don't trust you anymore. I asked you to stay awake with me and pray. You didn't. You just kept falling. You kept going back to sleep when I needed you most, Pete. Remember that night that you denied me? That night that you deserted me? Do you, do, you, do you think? I think you would be better off just going back to fishing. 
Not that you're any good at it. There's a lot that we can learn about forgiveness by following the example of Jesus and the example that he set for us when he restored Peter, when he forgave the fallen. So I want to pray, we'll read our text, and we'll learn some important lessons for our own lives today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to be here together, worshiping you, coming closer to you through, through, through these songs, through our giving. And Lord, I ask that as we go to your word, that our hearts are open, that we're ready to hear how important it is to forgive. To forgive those who fall, who disappoint us. To restore relationships and be more like you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what we'll learn today. And I just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 21, starting in verse 15, God's word says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that, that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Today, I want to share with you three ways, three ways that we can forgive those who fall. And the first of those is that we need to love unconditionally. We need to love unconditionally. After, G after breakfast, Jesus publicly forgives and reinstates Peter. And that's for Peter's benefit and also provides some teaching for the other disciples who are sitting there listening. As Peter, as he smells the fire, as, as he feels its heat, he would have been reminded how he warmed himself next to another fire in a courtyard right before he denied Jesus three times. And the question that Jesus asked him, they have to do with Peter's level of love. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus could have asked Peter anything. He could say, was your fish cooked okay today? He, he could have done some teaching. He could have taught them the importance of obedience. He, he, could, he, could have, he told a parable. He could have paralleled that unprecedented catch of fish uh, with listening and doing what he tells them to do. But what he wants to determine, what he wants to see, he wants to see Peter's level of love. And that actually takes us back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. 
where it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus even summarized all of the Old Testament laws by quoting this verse as the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. Now, John, who, who authored this gospel, uses two different words for love in this exchange between Jesus. Now, Greek, I know you probably haven't taken it, but they had several different words for love. It, 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 there's one for that romantic, intimate love between a man and a woman. Uh, there's a word for the natural love between a parent and a child. Um, it had a word for the kind of love you have for your cat or dog. Um, now, one of those words, it's agapao. Now, you may be familiar with agape, that unconditional love. Um, it's used to describe that wholehearted devotion. And another is phileo. And that's the love between friends. We get Philadelphia from that, the city of brotherly love, just throwing it out there. Uh, but it's that, it's that bond, that, that friendship, that love between friends. People who share common values, interests, and activities. It's brotherly love. Now, in the first two questions that Jesus asked Peter, he uses the word agapal. Peter, is your love unfailing? Is your love for me unconditional? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, and I read that and I think, what was Jesus pointing at? What was he referring to when he said that? Maybe he was pointing at the disciples. Uh, I mean, Peter said, even if all these guys desert you and fail you, I won't. Maybe Jesus was pointing at the 153 fish that they caught. Do you love me more than fishing, Peter? Maybe he was pointing out to the boat. Do you love me more than your occupation? Or is work your highest priority? Maybe he's asking all of this. Do you love me more than these disciples, more than these fish, more than that boat? Do you love me, Peter? And whatever he was referring to, whatever he was pointing at, Peter doesn't even try to answer, does he? Because he knows that he can't even come close to that unconditional love that Jesus is asking him for. And Peter, he's uncharacteristic in his, in his humility and his honesty because he says, Jesus, I love you. But he uses the word phileo. I love you like a brother, man. He can't bring himself to say that he truly loves, that he has that agapal love. Because he knows, Peter knows inside of himself that if he loved Jesus unconditionally, he wouldn't have denied him, he wouldn't have deserted him, he would have stayed awake that night. He knows he wouldn't have acted the way that he has. He knows if he had that kind of love, he would have acted differently. And through his failure, Peter, he starts to realize that he's got a heart problem, that there's something wrong. In here. And through his embarrassment, he sees that he's placed himself above the other disciples. That I'm more important than these other guys. I should have more power and authority. Maybe it was pride that ultimately led to his fall. I, I, I think of it, David, David never thought in a million years that he would commit adultery or have a man killed. Uh, 
Solomon didn't think that he, that he would experiment with idolatry. Moses never planned on going out and killing an Egyptian. Jonah didn't think that he'd run from God. And Peter, Peter couldn't imagine that he would ever deny his Lord. But Peter learned something. Peter learned that he needed to be honest. While he cared for Jesus... And he does refer to him as Lord in all three of these exchanges. He could no longer promise that uncompromising, unconditional kind of love that Jesus had asked for. He was just being honest. And we need to be honest in our relationship with Christ as well. We need to be truthful. We can't just give the Sunday school answer, well, you know I love you. We can't respond simply the way that we're expected to as a Christian. And when Jesus asked for the third time, in verse 17, Jesus is basically saying, Peter, do you even have affection for me? Do you have that phileo kind of love for me? And it hurt. It hurt Peter. It, it hurts him mostly because Jesus is stepping down to his level. Even at this point, Pete, he's probably wondering if Jesus thought, you keep saying you love me like a brother, but do you really? I'm sure Peter wanted to be that rock again. But he didn't know if that would ever happen. He does, however, he does appeal to the fact that Jesus knows all things. Maybe Jesus will find some kind of love inside of me. There's a story about an old farmer and his wife, and they're standing outside the pig pen, and she says, let's have a party for our golden wedding anniversary. It's next week. Let, Homer, because he's a farmer, his name has to be Homer, sorry. She says, Homer, let's kill a pig. And the farmer, he scratched his head, and he said, gee, Ethel, I don't know why the pig should take the blame for something that happened 50 years ago. Do you love God unconditionally? Or are you completely committed to him? If not, just admit it. Be honest. Put into words where you are right now, right here, today, in your relationship with Christ. Just tell him, I'm not there yet. I'm not, but I want to be. I still have sin. I still give in to sin. I still fail you all the time. Just ask him for help. Because when you do, Jesus will meet you right there where you are and bring you where you need to be. There's another story about a woman and her husband. They went in for marriage counseling, talking to the pastor. And the pastor, he starts with the husband and he says, Okay, the Bible says that you're to love your wife just like Jesus loves the church. And he says, Oh man, I can't do that. So the pastor, you know, being a professional he is, he, he tries a different approach. He says, if you can't start there, the Bible says you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Can you at least love her like your neighbor? He said, nope, that's just asking too much. Pastor's last straw, he pulls it out and he says, well, the Bible says love your enemy. Can you start there? Begin where you are today. Jesus is asking us, he's asking you today, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter, what he did is he affirmed 
that Jesus knows the truth in all of our hearts. He knows what's inside of us. He says, Lord, you know. He knows the worst about us. He knows the worst about me, and he knows the worst about you, and he still loves us. And when we're able to be that honest and that truthful, Jesus says, good, now, now I can get to work on restoring our relationship so you can become something more than you are today. I need you to be honest about your love for me. And when you, and when you do that, your love for me, it will grow. What about you? What is it in life that you love the most? Is it, is it your possessions? People? Maybe it's your own pride. Is there anything or anyone that you love more than the Lord? We need to love unconditionally. The second way that, that we can forgive people is we need to serve selflessly. We need to serve selflessly. With each of Pete's answers, each time he answers Christ's question, do you love me? Jesus gives him something to do, doesn't he? He's not looking at Pete's past. And we need to understand this, and some of us need to hear this today. What's behind us, what's happened in the past, it doesn't matter anymore. Nothing that's happened before today has any kind of bearing on what happens today or tomorrow or next week. Because you can't change it. Jesus is focused on what Peter can do in the future. He's not worried about what can't be changed. He's worried about what can be changed. And if the ultimate commandment is to love God with everything that we've got, then the second most important is to love people. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 22, verse 39. And a second is like this. This is after he said you need to love God with everything. He says, and the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said, Peter is meant to demonstrate his love for Christ by loving and caring for others. The, the main point for, for us today is that our love for God will always, if we love God, we will love others, and it will show itself in how we love and care for God's people. And if we say that we love God unconditionally, we better prove it by serving selflessly. 1 John chapter 3 Verses 17 and 18, it says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And I'm going to put this as bluntly as possible. If we don't love others then we don't love God. If you don't love other people, if you're holding a grudge, if you won't forgive somebody, then you are saying, I really don't love God. Because if you love him, you're going to love others. You, you can't separate the two. We can't claim that we love God and at the same time ignore those people who are hurting or hopeless. If we say that we love God, we can't continue to think that we're better than anybody else. Let's look at the task that Peter was given. First, Jesus says, feed my lambs. He says, feed my lambs in verse 15. Now, little lambs, they need to be fed in order to grow. They don't get to be big lambs if they don't get fed. Peter 
is reminded that the children matter to God. They need to be fed the Word of God as a regular part of their diet if they're going to grow up in their salvation and their faith. Um, let me, if you want to be a good minister, if you want to serve people, if you want to love unconditionally, the best training that you'll ever get is with children. If you want to be a good teacher, a good communicator, because kids, they're not going to pull the wool over your eyes. If you're boring, they're going to let you know it. They won't just stand, sit there and stare at you politely like most of you are. To... See, if, if, if you're not communicating, if you're not connecting with people, you're going to know it. Children, what they do is they force you to define your terms. They, 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 they don't let you hide behind these big Greek words like you're all educated. Maybe you feel like you've been out just on a fishing trip. Get involved. Get involved in ministry. Start with children. Feed those lambs. Uh, and just kind of throwing this out here, spiritually speaking, new Christians are called spiritual infants. In spite, in spite of Peter's failures, he's called back into service, starting with the young. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Then he says, tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. It literally says, shepherd my sheep. And it implies more than just feeding them. It's because a good shepherd, do you know what a good shepherd does? They make sure that all of the needs of his sheep are taken care of. He makes sure that they're protected. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus is trying to reinforce this idea that he can't get tired of serving those around him because they all, they all matter to God. Peter wouldn't say to Jesus, I love you unconditionally, because he couldn't say it. You see, Jesus earlier, he had said, For if, if you love me and if my love is in you, you'll keep his commandments. And what did he tell them in Matthew 28? He said, meet me on the mountain. Now, that's why Peter says, you know all things, Lord. You know I'm in the wrong place. I should be on that mountain because that's where you told us to go, that you would meet us there. That's why I can't say to you, I love you the way that you want me to say it. I do like you, though. And Jesus just says, great. I'll meet you right there. Feed my sheep. Get involved in serving. Let me use you, Peter. And understand that God's going to meet us wherever we are, and he'll go with us as far as we want him to go. You can go on in ministry and serving and loving others, knowing that the Lord ultimately, you can go as far as you want, and he'll go with you. Something else that you'll see about those words, feed, tend, feed, they're all action words. They're not passive, they're active. And they describe a function that all believers are meant to do, to feed the flock and to shepherd the sheep. And unfortunately, in today's society, in the church today, we've turned those actions into titles, such as ministers or pastors. And they're the ones who have to do that. But it's all of our responsibility. We are all called to care for one another. And I want to make four quick observations. I know you only have three sections of fill in the blanks, but I got more than that. Um, four quick observations. First, it is his flock. It is his flock. 
It's not my flock. It's not your flock. It is his flock. They are, he, they are his sheep. They are his lambs. They're not ours. Jesus calls them my lambs, my sheep. They belong to him. And he simply entrusts them to us. And we must never forget that everyone has worth. Everyone has dignity in his sight. Even if you're not willing to see it. It's his flock. Next, sheep and lambs are different. Sheep and lambs are different. Sheep and, sheep and lambs, are, they're very different. They have very different needs. And we need to minister accordingly. See, nobody... And, and, and no individual are exactly the same. And we need to understand that truth. We've all been given these spiritual abilities, gifts, and we have to use those to perfect and protect the flock. Next, care and feeding are our responsibility. Jesus gave that task to Peter and to us. And what that tells me is that all ages... We have to make sure that all ages have the opportunity to be fed spiritually and that everyone is connected to a group that can provide caring. And that means whether you're five years old or 55 years old or 25 or 65, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how much money it costs. We need to meet people right where they are and minister to them appropriately. And when a sheep wanders, we have to go after them. Not forget about them. And this last one, failure doesn't disqualify. Failure does not disqualify. Failure does not automatically disqualify anyone from service. In fact, Jesus, he links our love for him by our serving of others. And that day, Peter's relationship with Christ, it was healed. And he was recommissioned to serve in ministry. Jesus wanted Peter to know that he still had a job, that he still had something for him to do, and there was an opportunity for him to serve. See, Jesus had more confidence in Peter than Peter did in himself. Peter was there beating himself up for his failure. And Jesus knew the effective antidote to that was for Peter to serve others. In spite of his failures, Jesus was still willing to use him. Jesus, in a way, was saying to Peter, telling him that just as he was once a weak lamb, a wandering sheep, you still matter. You're still important to me. And because he experienced grace and forgiveness, he needed to go out and show that to others. Uh, John Ortberg, he tells a story about a young man named John Gilbert who was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when he was just five years old. And at one point, he was made as the representative for muscular dystrophy in the state of California, and he was able to attend this fundraising auction. And when the auction started, one item, it really caught his attention. It was a basketball. A basketball that was signed by the players of the Sacramento Kings. And Johnny got a little bit carried away because when the ball was up on the bidding block, his hand shot up and his mom was so fast to take that down. And that bidding for that basketball, it went higher and higher and higher. And eventually one man was named the an amount that just shocked the room. Nobody else, it was like game over. So the man, he went up and he collected his prize. But instead of going back to his seat, he walked across that room 
and placed it in the hands of the boy who admired it. He put that ball in the hands of a boy who would never dribble it, never throw it to a teammate, and never shoot it for three points. Those hands, those hands they would cherish. John Ortberg, he said that it took me a moment to realize what I had seen. I, I remember hearing these gasps from all over the room. And then just this thunderous applause. Have you ever been given a gift that you would have never been able to get for yourself? Has anyone ever sacrificed a huge amount for you without getting anything in return except for the joy of giving? See, it was as simple as this. Somebody noticed. Somebody cared. Somebody acted. And somebody gave. Have you bought a basketball for anyone lately? Have you fed a little lamb? Have you shepherded someone through sorrow? And if you haven't, start serving. We must love unconditionally. We need to serve selflessly. And the last idea is we need to follow faithfully. We need to follow faithfully. Verse 18 contains a prophecy about how Peter was going to die. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Pete was probably middle-aged at this point. And Jesus describes a time in the future. He says, you were young one day. We all were. And you got to go wherever you wanted, and you could pick out your own clothes. But there's going to come a day in the future where you're going to be dressed by someone else and taken somewhere you don't want to go. And most commentators, they, they, they think that you will stretch out your hands refers to crucifixion. And tradition does tell us that Peter was crucified with his hands stretched out on a cross. But he was crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy as dying in the same manner as Christ. And someone once said, if you want to follow Christ, you better look good on wood. We are to follow faithfully no matter what happens. Even knowing he would die, Peter was meant to follow Christ faithfully. Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to the disciples, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So after Jesus reveals his plans for Peter, wanted to let him know that uh, you're good with me, I need you to do what I've told you to, and things might go a little sour at one point. What does Peter do? He says, what about him? What about that guy? Isn't he going to suffer? And Jesus says, if it's my will that, that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You, you need to follow me. See, our responsibility, this is something you need to hear. Our responsibility is to make sure that the Lord is first in our lives. 
and not worry too much about other people. See, the, the real question that we need to ask, it doesn't have anything to do with what other people are doing. It doesn't even matter what they're doing. See, we like to compare, though, don't we? We, we like to look at ourselves and we see ourselves a little bit better than somebody else. Or we think someone is above us and, and what do we do? We just try to cut them down to size. And our focus, it's all wrong. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be comparing and contrasting ourselves with other people. And, and while we must care for people, we need to care for them, we need to love them, God will ultimately take care of them. See, we don't have to play God because he does a pretty good job himself. We're so much like Peter, aren't we? Here he's been restored, he's been recommissioned to service, and he turns around and asks a question about someone else. And it reminds me that we're all in a constant need of forgiveness because we all keep failing as well. And just as Peter, just as Jesus redirected Peter, he's saying to us, what's that to you? You, you need to follow me. See, breakfast on a beach, it was a turning point for Peter. And today it can be a turning point for you as well. Because you can come and experience God. You can belong and experience community. And you can share as you give of yourself. This morning, as the worship team comes, maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you're holding on to that. Peter was had a problem. He, he did. Well, why, why me? Why not him? Maybe you need to forgive somebody. And you can do that today. Maybe you need to start serving the way you should be. Maybe you need to start loving the way you should be. Jesus says, what, what does anything else have to do with you? You take care of you. And if you want to be able to love people just like Christ did, you need to know him first and experience his love firsthand. And you can do that this morning if you don't know him personally as your Savior. Jesus came into this world. He lived this perfect, sinless life for us. He was accused. He was tried. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross. He died, was buried, but resurrected on that third day, showing that he has power over life and death and that what he did for us is true. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that what he did was for you and confess your faith in him. Maybe you need to start serving. Maybe you're sitting on the sidelines today because you don't think God can use me. I've messed up before. Yes, yeah, so have I. But God will use you if you let him. Maybe you need to start loving and serving and, and, and just forgiving. And you can do that today. I'm going to ask them to sing, and I encourage you, if you need to know Christ personally, if you need to make a change in your life today, do that.
be faithful to him. He loves you. And he's asking you today, do you love me? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for, for just knowing just how much you love us, how much you care for us. And even, even though you know the worst of each of us, that you're still willing to use us and forgive us. Lord, I just pray this morning for your love to just fill this place, to fill each of us so that we can say with complete honesty when you ask us, do you love me? We can say yes. Father, I pray for those here this morning. I pray that, Lord, that, that this, these people, that, that this church, that, Lord, that you will use us in mighty ways to reach the people of this city, that we will minister to, to whoever we can, and we will love everybody. Lord, I just pray for your hand to touch us and move us so that we're faithful to what you've told us to do so that we can experience your blessings and the hope of your kingdom coming. Lord, thank you for your son. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Please stand.